Well, it has been a morning so far, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, but still, we are so blessed to be here this morning. Uh, and I'm going to try to preach as fast as I can because uh, the smells, I'm, I'm starting to get lightheaded. A little, bit of, <laughs> a little bit of saliva in my mouth from all of the smells coming down from the kitchen. But, uh, and actually, I spent yesterday afternoon uh, frying four turkeys uh, that I need for this week. Uh, one of them for, for the for the church, one of them for school. We're having a, a staff luncheon on Tuesday, uh, one for our Thanksgiving dinner and one for our, uh, my in-laws Thanksgiving dinner. And this morning as I was preparing, uh, getting everything finished for service this morning, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about what, what, what all kind of goes into that. And I thought about the fact that there was not one part of that work that did not rely on God for something. And I mean, I'm talking about, of course, the turkeys. God created the turkeys, and, and, and we were cooking those yesterday. God created the natural gas that my propane comes from. God uh, created the ability to start a fire through combustion. God created the peanuts that made the peanut oil that we fried the turkeys in. God was, his hand was in everything. And the whole meal that we're about to eat this afternoon, would not be possible without God, without his creation, without his provision, without his love. And this morning, we're finishing a sermon series uh, on the Brethren in Christ core values. We've been going at this for about 10 weeks now because there are 10 things that we as a denomination value. And those are actually uh, published values. You can find them on the website. There's a book called Focusing Your Faith if you want to read more about the 10 core values. But we value the free gift of salvation in Christ Jesus and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. We value the Bible as God's authoritative word. We study it together and we build our lives on its truth. We value heartfelt worship that is God-honoring, spirit-directed, and life-changing. We value wholehearted obedience to Christ Jesus through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. We value integrity in relationships and mutual accountability in an atmosphere of grace, love, and acceptance. We value an active and loving witness for Christ to all people. We value serving others at their point of need following the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. We value all human life and promote forgiveness, understanding, reconciliation, and nonviolent resolution of conflict. We value uncluttered lives, which free us to love boldly, give generously, and serve joyfully. And this week, we'll examine the final core value, which is relying on God. And this is, not, this is the only of the 10 core values that doesn't start with we value. When we read relying on God, it means that we confess our dependence on God for everything. And we seek to deepen our intimacy with him by living prayerfully. And if we understand these other nine core values, it's easy to understand the 10th, that we are nothing without God, that God provides all that we have. We are utterly dependent on him for everything, even for Thanksgiving luncheons. We are, we are reliant on God. And this is not a popular, see, that's not a popular uh, opinion with, with 
children, and it's not a popular pin with the world. <laughs> the world tells us we should be self-reliant. Anybody ever heard that? We should be self-reliant, right? We should take care of ourselves. And in 1841, Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was a great philosopher, wrote an essay called Self-Reliance. And in it, he says, nothing is at last sacred but the integrity of your own mind. And he says, no law can be sacred to me but that of my nature. Good and bad are but names, very readily transferable to this or that. The only right is what is after my constitution. The only wrong is what is against it. And we see and we hear the evidence of this attitude seemingly everywhere that we turn. And when people discuss good versus evil, they generally define good and evil in terms of how it affects them personally. And what is good for someone may be bad for someone else. What is moral for someone may be immoral for someone else. We might have heard it in this phrase, I live my own truth. And these attitudes come from a place where humanity has turned its back on the one who created us, the one who created all things. There is no understanding without God, and yet the world tries to understand those things like good and evil and moral and immoral. They have no basis for any kind of comparison. They don't believe in God. And we, as humanity, we are reliant on God even for the breaths that we take every day. In Genesis 2-7, we read, The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. We rely on God because he is the giver of all life. None of us take a breath without him. And we often forget that. We don't think about those things because breathing is not something we have to think about. It just happens. Unless, of course, we're underwater and then we really want to get up and we want to take a breath. But I know the world who, who denies God or ignores God, they don't think about that. But even his children, those of us who call ourselves disciples of Jesus Christ, oftentimes we forget the very simple basic fact that we are breathing God's breath. And as we worship him this morning, as we've worshiped him so far, as we worship him today, now, as we worship him later, as we're fellowshipping and we go home and we're with our families, let us remember to give thanks to God because we are breathing. Let us give thanks to God simply because he is and because he created us. James 1, 17 to 18 says, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth 
by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Think about what that means. Of his own will, God wanted to create us. And he didn't want to create us because he was on some power trip. God wanted to create us because he wanted to display his glory. And he created us because he wanted to share the love that he is with his creation. And that is why he made us in his image, giving us his breath. And that's why we worship. That's why we give thanks. That's why we come here on Sunday mornings and have power outages and still continue to sing his praises. Because it is who he is. It is that which we owe to him, to praise him, to worship him. Psalm 107.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And we can rely on God because God is love. And God is not this worldly idea of love. God is love. There is nothing in God that does not want the very best for his people, for his children, and for those who would rebel against him. God wants what is best for all of us. And that first part of that James uh, 1 passage also tells us that there is no variation or shadow of change in God the Father. In other words, God is constant. And how many of us live in a world of uncertainty and change? Anybody? Only just one. Okay, good. Thank you for, for, for admitting that. We do. We live in a world of uncertainty and change and often... It seems like we are subject to the whims of other people and the things that they do and people who would throw the world into chaos even. They would call good evil and evil good. And sometimes we feel like we're suffering because of that. We feel uncertain because of that. And nowadays, we're not even certain about the words that we speak. How many of you sometimes are afraid to say something because we might offend somebody? And the question that we have to ask sometimes is not who are we going to offend, but who are we going to offend today? Because everything is changing constantly. And the thing that offends somebody today is the thing that's going to be perfectly acceptable tomorrow. You know what never changes? God never changes. Jesus Christ never changes. Hebrews 13, 8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And when we think, when, when we see all of these things changing and we're facing all of this uncertainty, it throws us into chaos. It increases our worry. It increases our anxiety. And we often find ourselves spinning in circles, just not knowing which way to face, not knowing what to do, not knowing what to say. And we're just trying to figure out how we're going to cope with the next change. 
Have you ever watched a dancer? Anybody watch like dancers? You ever watch a dancer when they do these amazing like sets of pirouettes where they're just spinning and spinning like in one place and they just or, or, or ice skaters that just I mean, they keep their balance when they come out of that. But I can't spin around one time. I can't turn around once without losing my balance. And these people are up there like forever. Do you know why? Because they practice something called spotting. The dancer will fix their eyes on something in the distance. And then when they start spinning, as they start turning, they keep their eyes on that thing. And then right when they get to the point where they can't look at it anymore, they whip their head around and catch sight of it again. And they do that over and over and over again. And that's how they keep their balance, by spotting that one point. Because if they didn't, have you ever spun around and it looks like everything's moving around you and it's really you that's moving? And it makes you dizzy. They find that one spot and they keep their eyes focused on it. And I want to tell you this morning that Jesus Christ is our spot. Jesus Christ is that one thing that we all ought to be looking at constantly so that when everything around us is spinning around and moving around us, we have that to focus on. We can stay standing because we're focusing on Jesus Christ. We rely on God because he is constant, he is unchanging, and he gave us his son, Jesus Christ, as our spot. He gave us Jesus Christ so that as things are just going crazy, we can keep our balance. And often when we face problems and uncertainty, this is where we lose sight of Jesus. And a lot of times, and man, I'm going to pick on us for just a little bit here. When we face problems, when we face uncertainty, when we face issues that are coming up, what do we do? We try to fix it. I have heard several times from my lovely bride that sometimes she doesn't want me to fix things, she just wants me to listen. She just wants me to know that things are going on. But it's our propensity, men, to fix things except ourselves. When we have a problem that's our own, we don't want to talk about it at all. We're going to go down in the basement and flip on ESPN and just try to like drown it out altogether. I know this is not all men and that's stereotypical, but I know for me that's what happens. I just withdraw. I go into my man cave. I go into my, my thought cave and I just drown everything else out. It's a funny meme that had been circulating around the internet for a while. This man and this woman sitting on a sofa, and one sitting on one end, and one sitting on the other. 
Neither of them are talking to each other, but we see their thought bubbles. And the woman's thoughts go something like this. My husband is acting weird. He won't talk to me when I ask him what's wrong. He says there's nothing wrong. I told him in the car that I love him, and he just smiled and kept driving, and he didn't say I love you back, and he's so distant and he's so absent. I don't know what to do. Is he unhappy in our marriage? Is he cheating on me? I'll bet he's cheating on me. That's what's going on. And then you see the man's thought bubble, and it says motorcycle won't start. Can't figure out why. <laughs> Amen, men? <laughs> when we feel like things are going badly, we, we can really get lost in our heads. And this woman completely misread what was going on in her husband's mind. And you know why? Because the husband was not communicative and wouldn't tell her. My motorcycle won't start. I can't figure out why. That's what I'm thinking about. That's it. That's all. That's all that's in here right now. <laughs> And whether the Ravens are going to win today. That's all I got. <laughs> and that's what we do when problems arise. We try to rely on our own wisdom to fix things. Or we try to rely on our own wisdom and it drives us crazy because we don't know what's going on. But it doesn't have to be that way. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. And the Hebrew word here for acknowledge uh, means to notice or to realize. In all your ways, notice him. In all your ways, realize him. And the word realize literally means to make or cause something to be real. Real eyes. And when we acknowledge God, when we realize him, we are saying that we believe he is real. We believe his promises are real. We believe his word is true. And when we realize these things, we can understand that we can rely on him to make our paths straight. Our minds don't have to be going in 50 different directions. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, and he will make your path straight. He will tell you what to do. You don't have to guess. God is not in the business of confusion. He's not looking to confuse us. He's in the business of making our paths straight. And if we acknowledge his wisdom and we decide to follow his wisdom, all of those confusions suddenly drop off and disappear. Well, how do we make real the wisdom of God in our lives? Well, there's two very important ways. We read and study his word, which he gave to us to tell us his wisdom, and we pray. Those are the two ways that we can know the wisdom of God. Core value number two says we value the Bible as God's authoritative word. We study it together and build our lives on its truth. 
And when we read and study the Bible, and we do so prayerfully, when we enter into that time in prayer, God reveals his wisdom to us. And because we believe that the Bible is authoritative, it is our authority as Christians, we can rely on God to guide our paths. We can rely on God to answer our questions if he's ready to give us the answer. And sometimes we have to be willing to wait. We have to be willing to be patient because God knows we're not ready for that answer yet. And that's hard. And then we try to figure it out for ourselves and that's when the confusion comes in and starts. When we read and study the Bible prayerfully, God gives us wisdom. And he also gives us strength. Because let's face it, being a Christian today takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of courage, and it can be exhausting. How many of you get exhausted sometimes in your faith? Isaiah 40, verses 28 to 31 asks us to consider this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord God is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men and women shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And we look at this passage and think of physical strength and physical weariness. And uh, I went to a Christian school. This was our motto because we were the eagles. And our motto was, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. And our coaches would tell the teams that every time. We are going to mount up with wings like eagles. God's going to give us the strength. It's this inspirational message. And yes, we rely on God for our physical strength because if we're relying on him for breath, obviously we're going to rely on him for strength. But notice how this passage starts. Listen to this. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. And this speaks to God's power. But the next phrase says, his understanding is unsearchable. This passage is not just about physical strength and physical weariness. Yes, we can rely on God when we are physically tired. But really, where we need to rely on God is when we are spiritually tired. And whether you want to admit it or not, we get spiritually tired. We do. And that's when we should be reading Scripture. That's when we should be praying. We should be asking God to help us 
to understand him just the tiniest little bit. Because by understanding him just a tiny little bit more, doesn't that give us strength? Doesn't that help to give us the power to stand up when the world is trying to knock us down? God gives us the strength in our lives so that we can be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Another one of the core values, to be a witness for Jesus Christ. When we're witnesses for Jesus Christ, what we're doing is we're displaying God's power. We're displaying the saving power of Jesus Christ. We're displaying the renewing and the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us strength to live our lives as his children. He gives us strength to stand up under what sometimes is great adversity in the world. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I believe that there is hardly any other place where we need the strength of God than in our schools. Our teenagers need the strength of God to stand up under just enormous difficulties. I know. I'm a teacher. I work in the schools. I know. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are principals. You know. And I want to invite you to pray for our young people to pray for our children, to pray for our teenagers, to pray for our college students. Pray that they will continue to study God's word and they will continue to pray and that God will give them strength to stand up, to be a witness for Jesus Christ. George Washington in his first Thanksgiving proclamation said, it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits and humbly to implore his protection and favor. In the kingdom of God, we know that God is to be thanked, not just for his protection and favor, not just for his benefits, not just for his providence or provision, but because of the very air that we breathe, the very life that we live. And we know that we should give thanks to God because of the love that he is. The love that he shows us. The love that he wants us to show others. So that none might be lost. So that all might know everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you. On this week of Thanksgiving, God, we thank you every day, every hour, every minute. We thank you for breath. We thank you for life. And yes, we thank you for provision and we thank you for safety. But Father, most of all, we thank you that you give us the things that we need to stand up spiritually, to live our lives, to be pleasing to you. Father, we ask as we walk out of this room today, as we walk into our lives this week, 
that you will remind us to read, to study, to pray, to seek just the smallest amount of more understanding of you so that we will run and not be weary, so that we will walk and not faint. Father, we thank you for all of the hands that prepared the food that we're going to receive in a little bit. Father, we ask that you would just bless our time of fellowship. Help us to build each other up to good works. Help us to know each other better. Help us to be the family that you have brought together at Morning Hour Chapel. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be spending a lot of time with family this week. Some of our families don't know Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to pray for them. I want to encourage you to continue reading Scripture and praying that you can have the power to stand and be a witness. You don't have to beat it over their heads. You just have to show them your life in Jesus Christ. They will notice. And God will take that witness and use it in mighty ways. Happy Thanksgiving and God bless you this week.